We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. kicks off today as Arsenal players take center stage. This is the Arsenal Vision World Cup Daily. My name is Alex Smithy, Blackman Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Granite Shaka played and won. Thomas Party played and didn't win, but who boy. <laughs> and the way we got to that result is definitely something we're going to be talking about today. Um, let's see. The Gabbies made their debut, both Martinelli and Jesus. Not a lot happening there. I actually don't know who scored the goals for Brazil today. There's no record of it. Um, so no, no way to know, unfortunately, but we'll, uh, we'll see if Phil and Lewis know, but if they don't like, we'll just, we'll just elide that point. It can't be very important. I do want to say a very happy Thanksgiving to any Americans listening to this. Um, but by this point, by the time you're listening to this in America, hopefully you're doing your patriotic duty. You've gotten the food cleared away. You've gotten the booze and everything cleared away. And you are revving up the engine to go to a Walmart and fight your fellow American for a discounted television. So, um, you know, I hope you have a nice time doing that. I kid, but I don't kid. Like, it is a tradition unlike any other. One that I don't think I'll be participating in, if I'm honest. And here to discuss anything but that with me now is Phil. You can find him on Twitter at Phil Costa, at underscore Phil Costa. Hello, Phil Costa. This underscore is going to give us a problem, isn't it? This yeah, but It can't be any worse than me still referring to Tim's handle as Stilberto when it's been Stillminator for like two months. Um, and joining us as ever is Lewis Ambrose. You can find him on Twitter at LG Ambrose. Hello, Lewis. No underscores here. No underscores. But... That underscores the point that we are here to talk about the World Cup. It doesn't underscore that point at all. It would have been a neat transition if it made sense. It doesn't. We're moving on. Um, I think we got to start. Look, the the biggest story of the day is clearly the fact that Martinelli and Jesus made their Brazil debuts. But let's set that aside for a minute. We got to talk about the Ghana-Portugal game. I tweeted. So my ability to jinx things, by the way, is absolutely undefeated. I tweeted out at some point during the Ghana-Portugal game, like, Brazil owes us some entertainment in the wake of what we've been watching today. That game comes to life. I tweet out about halfway through the Brazil game that clearly, undisputedly, Gabriel Jesus is more talented than Richarlison. And then he did something. I don't know what, but he did something. And so so my jinxing powers are undefeated. This game, Lewis, was, was a really, really fun one in the end. And I want to ask you, if that final goal is scored instead of slipping, instead of falling at the critical moment, 
Where does it rank in iconic World Cup moments for you? It's got to be right near the top. The Robbie Keane, yeah, it, like that would be for for a goal that would mean something as well. I think when you think of that goal, you think somebody's maybe like two new up in a meaningless game, mm-hmm. and then the the forward maybe tries something as cheeky as that. Uh, that would be one of the all time great World Cup moments, and I am absolutely devastated that uh, that yeah. Also because I think most of us maybe um, I certainly did want Ghana to pick something up from that game. Um, it yeah that w- that would have been heartbreak. Oh, it was heartbreaking. It would have been incredible if that had uh, if that had ended up in a goal. And I didn't really at the time. I don't know if the world feed if it kind of had cut away from the moment. But it wasn't until after the game that I fully understood what had happened. I think may I don't know if it was just because it was one of those moments when the ball's in the goalkeeper's hands. So you look away and you talk to someone or you look at your phone or whatever. But I'm pretty sure at least what I was watching the cameras cut away and then you know the keeper picks the ball up and there was a shot of I don't know the managers or the crowd or something and then the next thing we knew Inaki Williams I think it was had the ball and slipped and we didn't really see until after the final whistle what what actually happened it it obviously would have been one of the greatest uh, greatest moments in World Cup history and we were robbed yeah, I agree with that Phil we'll get into this game in more detail but I don't want to cut you out of the conversation about this incredible moment and I just think having gotten there having gotten to the ball it, you did the brilliant part and then and then you slip at the critical moment it, it would have been just an extraordinary and fantastic finish and I'm I'm really uh devastated that we were denied that moment oh yeah my top was coming off I was ready to to get around my my 40 meter squared uh apartment you know i was you know i was fully lewis is right on our on our screen on our feed it wasn't showing um diogo costa it was showing the whole pitch and then all of a sudden i just heard the commentator go wow diogo costa and i was like what's happened there um but from actually in my opinion inyaki williams attacks the ball the wrong way Mm. He should have gone to the goalkeeper's <laughs> right, this but he goes a, around Phil, the left. This is not a technique you get to practice very no, often. No, 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 but trust me, watch it again. Someone pointed it out to me and now I can't unsee it. Watch it and he goes the wrong way. I'm telling you. Um, but I mean, after Ronaldo's face, I mean, you already saw him, you know, when the guy did that, the the C celebration, which, I, you know, I loved every second of it because it was just absurd. Um, but seeing his face after that would have been, oh, material it would have been material let's just put it that way Uh, we needed that we needed to see Ronaldo's reaction to that and do we have a quick thought Phil on celebrating a goal that gets you one down while losing in the World Cup with Ronaldo's see you celebration Um, (laughs) I mean I, I, I love it 10 out of 10 no notes but what about for you Big Giroud against Bournemouth away vibes on that one. <laughs> yep. Um, but yep. look, if you're going to score in a World Cup against Portugal, you know, that's the time to do it. So fair play. I mean, there was still a, a decent little while to go. It's not like there was, you know, a couple of minutes. So Because um, we're guaranteed it, 10 minutes of injury time all the time. Now. Yes, just the 18 minutes left after they scored in the 82nd minute or whatever it was. Um but I mean, it was brilliant. It just added to the comedy and the entertainment of the game. And, you know, that second half, I'm sure we'll get into it, was was a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it really was. And Lewis, like, the problem is all of the stuff that happens means that the outrage, the needed outrage 
over Ronaldo's dive and the wrongful award of the penalty dies away because there's other things to be focused on. But it it is it is a dive, right? I mean, I see it as a dive. Um, I'll be fair to Ronaldo, which is a thing I never thought I'd say because I can I just don't like him, but. I can understand going down under that challenge. I Some dives are attempts to con the referee, and some dives are, I felt a little something, I'm going to go down and give him a decision to make. This is more the ref and VAR bottling it for me than it is a pure con the referee dive. If And, and again, I am not a man inclined to be generous to Ronaldo, but do you see it that way or do you see it as a con the referee dive and, I, and, and a failure by far? I mean, I mean, firstly, I just, it's just a dive, it, mm. plain and simple. Yeah. Um, as far as the ref and, and VAR go, I don't think Ronaldo gets that penalty if his goal stands in the first half. He scores a goal in the first half where he kind of nudges the defender. It, the goal probably should have stood, right? Like mm. the, the, there was a 50-50 if probably not even a 50-50, Ronaldo nudges the defender, the defender goes down, and before Ronaldo turns around, which, you know, in the VAR era, the ref should always just let play run, and if there's a real error and it was a foul, then we can go back and check it. Um, the ref, for some reason, blew his whistle before Ronaldo turned and, and beat the keeper, and the goal was disallowed. Ronaldo's furious then. I don't think, like, I think as a ref, refs are human. Uh, all officials are human, and, and that's got to play on your As much as they like to suggest that it doesn't, it's got to play on your mind that I denied this team a goal earlier, and maybe I shouldn't have. And, you know, the, the, the officials are not supposed to have phones. They're not supposed to see the replays of these things. But there are massive, massive giant screens in the stadium mm -hmm. you can't tell me the ref hasn't seen that in the first mm -hmm. half he's disallowed a goal he's probably then seen the replay um and even if he hasn't there's there's that huge amount of doubt in his mind did i make the right call or not and then early in the uh, in the second half ronaldo's gone down and the ref sees sees the chance to maybe make up for a mistake from earlier and i think that's why he gives a penalty um i was surprised seeing the replay that it wasn't taken away but it's always really, really difficult to know what the bar is on, on these decisions and, and VAR. Like, can you take it away if there's contact? Does there have to be like a certain amount of contact or a certain amount of the defender? Like, it was obvious that he didn't get the ball. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was surprised and disappointed that they still allowed the penalty to stand. But I don't think it's like the most outrageous thing we've seen with VAR. Uh, and, and if it wasn't Cristiano Ronaldo, I think we'd all kind of let it slide a little bit more probably because we yeah. just really, really don't like Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and we want to hound him for anything that he does, especially when he gets away with a dive like that. You're not wrong. <laughs> um well, Phil, the thing about Portugal that's frustrating, and it's partly, I think, another frustration with Cristiano Ronaldo being there is just there's so much talent, and there should be so much creativity and spark. And the way they played until they were ahead was really pretty dreadful, in my view, and it was a pretty dreadful game. Going behind forced Ghana to play, and Ghana being forced to play, forced or allowed Portugal to play. And then we got to see some of the skillful and exciting Portuguese players come in. We did get to see, how do you say it, Liao? Is that... Yeah, Rafael Leao. Rafael Leao, mm -hmm. who is at Milan currently, right? And they want to keep him. He's going to get bids. He's going to get some serious bids very soon, if not in January. 
a really fun player, a nice finish. And did you see the reverse angle replay? He has the biggest smile on his face (laughs) as he's getting, like, imagine being that young, that talented, and that confident. Like, yay, I'm about to score a World Cup goal. When you have yet to strike the ball, and you still have to pass it into the far post around the keeper. And indeed he does. Portugal were fun to watch, both in their leaky defense and in their attack, when they took the reins off. And I hope we see more of that Portugal because with the talent they have, they could be one of the fun teams of the tournament and they were not until they took the lead. Yeah, totally. I mean, the issue in the first half for me was that they had too many on the ball players. Um, They had Ronaldo up front and then behind him was Joao Felix, Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes. And for me, those are guys who like to be on the ball, who like to create and it just made them quite passive. And I, and I said, they need, they need a bit of something you know, whether it was Rafa Silva or Rafael Leao, who did eventually come on, they just needed a bit of bit of power, a bit of an injection of speed to get in behind. Mm. Um, and like you said, the equalizer from Ghana just like flicked a, squi- uh, flicked a switch. And that's why I found Joao Felix's goal quite interesting because he's he's a player who's, you know, does his best ball, uh, best work with the ball. But his goal was actually an excellent piece of movement to get in behind. You know, it was very direct, very decisive and, and that's unusual for him. And he took the goal really well. I mean, it was a, a beautiful finish. And then again, you know, Ghana was stretched and then straight away, who do you see bombing down the left? Rafael Leal. I mean, brilliant finish against tired legs. You know, one thought in his mind, the quickest route to goal. Um, and he found it. And that was the injection they needed. And it was just frustrating to watch them play kind of slowly and within themselves because they do have so much talent. But I just think the balance wasn't quite right in their forward areas and and we saw them get it right and that's what can happen. Is is Liao in the category for, we haven't had a player who announces himself at the World Cup yet. It's still very early. A player who will be known to people who sort of watch and follow European football, but who isn't known maybe more widely. Is this, this probably isn't quite enough to be a announce yourself moment, but do you think he could be that guy? He's, he's certainly... You know, he's certainly impressed in the time he was on the pitch. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was amazing for Milan last season in Mm -hmm. in their Scudetto win. Um, And for me, he's just, he's the perfect modern forward of, inside forward, shall I say, the kind of the human son role of just being such a threat whenever he gets in and around the penalty box. And for me, he should be starting. He should be starting for for Portugal. And it wouldn't surprise me if that little cameo does does change uh, you know the instead mind of, of who Santos. because Ronaldo's going to start and play as long as he wants to play. <laughs> I don't think Joao Felix has done enough. No, he's, in general, he's... Um, I think he's very technically gifted, pretty on the ball, glides past players. But it's not even a you know an issue of his ability. It's more of the profile and the, and the physicality that Leao brings alongside Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes for me. How, how um, much did Madrid pay for uh, Atletico pay for him? Like. 80 million? 100, 100. 108 million. It, yeah, it was ins- a release clause. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Lewis, let's finish on this game with this. I mean, having watched watch Portugal wake up a bit, um, but also look a little leaky and, and a little, and not just a little bit dire, but like really just downright boring and dull early in the game. Do you come away from this game feeling better or worse, the same? Where, where, how's your evaluation of them? And if you want your evaluation of Ghana, who certainly played their part in this being a hell of a lot of fun in the second half. 
Um, I, my my impression of Portugal hasn't changed because the manager hasn't changed for since 2016. Fernando Santos will never lean into the attacking talent in this Portugal team. He will lean into sufferable, um, which on the international stage is not a terrible tactic, but it will be about stifling the opposition, keeping the ball, not taking risks and relying on the talent of, of Bruno Fernandes, of Cristiano Ronaldo, Bernardo Silva to create something and, and win you the game. The difference, I guess, is that Portugal don't have Pepe at the back anymore and they can't quite get away with that park-the-bus mm. tactic the way that they used to. You know, um, I mean, uh, yeah. João Cancelo uh, at right back, um, Rafael Guerrero at left back. This, these are not players who you want to be pin back on your own 18-yard box because they cannot do the defensive job. Uh, give them the ball and they can play like number 10s for any other country in the world pretty much. But they are not, you know, backs-to-the-wall defenders. Portugal should lean into going forward and driving and dominating possession, but they don't. Uh, even when they do keep the ball, it's it's like old-style Spain 10 years ago. It's keeping the ball as a defensive tactic. Um and yeah, I I don't see much to love about Portugal personally. I, I don't think there's enough there, and I think I don't think Ghana are a good side at all. I think there are a few good players, but I don't think Ghana are a particularly good team. Mm. They kind of scrape through in qualifying, and even for sort of you know, the, the individual brilliance of we we all know how good Thomas Partey is, Mohamed Kudus. Partey didn't get big. on the ball quite enough in this game though right? yeah certainly wasn't like, doing his sort of progressive line this splitting is the thing like thing gone and know that they have to try and stay in games by keeping tight and they haven't got um you know i, I was gonna say phil phil's a big fan of mohammed kudos i know that and, and mohammed kudos was great today the the first goal the equalizer obviously goes to andre Ayu, but that was kudos all over the, mm-hmm. it was his goal pretty much um but beyond him, there's no spark. And I think Ghana know that their best chance to stay in these games is to to maybe defend. But obviously you play Thomas Partey with five at the back and maybe one striker ahead of him or, or someone else supporting that striker. Well, what's he supposed to do? I like it's not a, a style of play that really suits him at all. To He can do the defensive stuff, obviously, but he's never going to stand out. He's never going to, like you say, Elliot, get on the ball that much when the team themselves can't get on the ball. And then when they do get on the ball they invariably give it away unless they've got space to attack into. Um, it's just not his game. Uh, you know, we saw a, at Arsenal now, we see a much different Thomas Partey to the one that we saw at Atletico Madrid. And this is much more the the limited Atletico Madrid Thomas Partey, I think, uh, who, who doesn't really have much to do with you know, dominating possession and, and keeping the ball and probing. Mm. Should, they, I think, should they play him further forward? Like, should they put him somewhere where he can... Make because I feel like the thing, the thing with him is if they're not going to do much, at least put him in a position where he can be the decisive moment. You know what I mean? Like he, we do know he has a great shot on him, although for you know first season and a half or so at Arsenal <laughs> he? he didn't show it. Well, I, yeah, I think I think he does. <laughs> He's stepped into two beautiful uh, inside of the foot, outside of the box goals this season. Um, we know he can play the perfect pass in tight spaces. 
should, should they play him for the pro? Should they, they, I feel I, like when you have think, a uniquely talented player, you have to find how you can make him the decisive part of your team. I think if they're playing on the counter attack, then the moments where he's going to be useful is, is in front of the defense. Yeah. Uh, yeah in those, in those moments. From the back. Yeah, and exactly. Point. And kind of launch, instead of playing maybe the final pass in, in those moves, he launches those moves from the back and, you yeah, know, they, true. maybe they, they steal the ball and he's the guy that the ball drops to, or he's the guy that the first pass goes into. Um, and and their route to escape, if you like, from their own half. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think there are certain players that are, and types of players who you put them in a limited team, uh, like like this Garnet inside. And I'm thinking of wingers and centre forwards. I think they can help carry those teams. And I think just the position that Thomas Partey plays in, if Garner aren't going to be able to control the game, which they aren't because the other players they have, he's going to have a really rough time trying to have much of an impact on things. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, okay, let's let's shift gears to another game. And I don't know, I mean, I, I think the Uruguay-South uh, Korea game may be an interesting one to discuss, but let's go to the Brazil game because, Phil, after a lot of nothing happened and some goals were scored by players we don't know who they are, Let's just jump to the headline of this match. The Gabbies make their debut. Happy for Gabriel Jesus, but certainly no stranger to the Brazil national team. But, I mean, this is... The, there'll be more to come from him. So I, please understand how I'm saying this. This is a culmination of a lifelong dream for Gabriel Martinelli. He has pulled on the shirt, stepped on the pitch, and played for Brazil in a World Cup. And for him to be doing that, I can't imagine. I mean, when I look at Bukayo Saka, a regular nailed-on starter for England... What a dream it must be, you know, for Gabriel Martinelli, whatever the England national team means to English players, and I, I, I don't diminish it at all, not even a little bit. I would suggest that to Brazilians, it, it may be even a bigger thing. Um, not because it doesn't mean a lot to the English, but because in Brazil it is akin to religion. And I, I'm just so happy for, for both of them. But for Gabriel Jesus, who sort of, I think at this point in his career, has experienced it and will expect to experience it again, how important is this for Gabriel Martinelli, whatever happens now the rest of the tournament, to to have made a debut playing for Brazil in a World Cup? Yeah, I mean, it's especially because of, of how it happened, right? He was always out of the 26-man squads going from all the journalists who were close to Tite and all, and all of this. He was never in the question. I mean, he was always close, but he was always going to be the part of the 30 and then the four that maybe fell away. But to, to be in there, to be included, I think it's a testament to him, to his improvement, to the role he's playing for Arsenal and and just in general, his his work ethic. I mean, we he may not be as naturally talented as, as most Brazilians, um, maybe in a different way, but I think he's, he every bit of him deserves to be there. And, and I really loved, you know, we spoke about being kind of proud parents for Bukayo Saka scoring two the other day. And again, it was kind of like we watch someone again come of age under our noses really we've seen him grow we've mm -hmm. seen him fill out we've seen him improve um and this was just a lovely moment coming on when there wasn't too much at stake anymore you know he had a straight away he came on and put his head down and took the took the right center back for a run i was like that's my boy that's my boy he nearly found gabriel jesus as well to be fair he, he did he, he nearly did and gabriel jesus by the way had a couple fouls called against him that were not fouls because referees aren't used to him winning every single duel all the time which is what he does but i want to ask is because watching martinelli 
tear down that left-hand side. There were a couple of times where I thought, if this was Arsenal, you'd take that man on. But I thought he was playing within himself just that extra little bit. Played the cut back, played the cross, instead of beating his man to the byline completely right. Or uh, He did it once. But I, I, did you sense, because I, I felt, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, that he was just being that extra little bit of a team guy, a little bit more cautious uh, on this stage than he might have been if that was an Arsenal shirt he was wearing. Yeah, but I think that's normal. You oh, know, yeah, you of course. To, <laughs> there's a natural hierarchy with things and you kind of have to work your way in. You don't want to make too many mistakes as well because if you do, then maybe the manager thinks, oh, you know, have I made the right decision putting him in here? You know, I think you need to find the balance, right, of being able to show your own individual quality but also fit into the team, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I've got no doubt that when he becomes more comfortable with with the squad over the next couple of days or weeks in training and it would be he'll be trying stuff so I'm, I'm not worried about him I think he's very kind of level-headed and focused on what he needs to do so I think it was just lovely to see him there yeah super super happy for him let's wind it back Lewis a little bit I mean are Brazil the new Germany in some ways in that you just can't get any joy off them you can't really get the ball you can't really threaten their defense they're going to squeeze you, they're going to put you under pressure, and eventually they're going to find the breakthrough. Because, sure, once they found the breakthrough, I mean, it was a little bit target practice at that point, and I think they had 23, 24 shots, something like that. I mean, they they could have scored really any number, I, I think, on another day. But while the game was still in the balance, it was just ruthless efficiency and defensive solidity more than it was the flair. You know, the U.S. commentators who, the less said the better, were calling Richarlison's goal, Jogo Benito, because I guess, like, he kicked it nice. That's not Jogo Benito. And like the days of Jogo Benito to me are sort of a distant memory for Brazil. These are players that play in Europe and European systems that are trained in that style, that are efficient, that are effective, that are direct, that understand their positional responsibility. I don't think we see some of the, the real free-flowing joy of, of the Brazil of, of days gone by, of the, the R9 Brazil with the, the airport commercial world cup commercial that everyone remembers am i being harsh i mean is that still part of, of brazil or have they become have they evolved into being something else like just as talented and just as effective in some ways but maybe a little bit more um efficient than uh effervescent i guess i guess i would ask what what do you think of when when you say uh Jogo benito i think of is it Ronaldinho step, like balancing the ball on his head? Dribbles and, and, and yeah. one, two, three, you know, one, one, two, three around teams, ping pong passing and and flicks. And you, you know, I th- I think of I think of a style of play that emphasizes individual fl- not just he kicked the ball into the net good. And maybe I'm just being a hater because it's Rashawson. I mean, let's be honest, that's that's in that's in play here. But I, I think of I think of a freedom and a flow to the game that I don't know that I see in the way Brazil go about their business these days. And, and maybe I'm wearing the rose-tinted glasses of nostalgia a little bit. Because where, 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 I'm an old, so maybe I'm being old man yells at cloud. Is this still the Jogo Benito Brazil that we've all known and loved forever? Uh, no, it's okay. not. Like, it, okay. it's definitely not, you know, it's not It's not Ronaldinho and Ronaldo and, and Rivaldo. Um, but, you, like, I think back to Brazil's last World Cup win uh, 20 years ago now, and... And that wasn't either. All three of those players were were involved and Cafu and Roberto Carlos running down the wings. But then behind them, they played a back three and they played two rock-hard midfielders in, in Gilberto and, and Emerson to kind of allow them the platform to play. And I see similarities here. I think that that idea of Brazil and Brazilian football 
probably died in in uh, you know and t- tim would be a much better person to speak about this but i think that died with 1982 um and and brazil uh, i think quite famously you know zico and socrates and they they played the best football the world has ever seen and they went out and i think the quarterfinals or the semifinals and it was mm. like you know the, the most beautiful football team to never win the world cup yeah and then the next world cup brazil won was you know, kind of sufferable and let the strikers figure it out with with Romario and Bebeto in mm. 94. And 2002 wasn't too dissimilar to me. You know, 98, Ronaldo shone so much brighter than everybody else. 2002, him with Ronaldinho Rivaldo as well. I think that Brazil that we fantasize, uh, and all of us in that, um, that, that sort of Brazilian football, I think that is kind of... Uh, I mean that these things always have a, a sense of myth around them. Anyway, you know, so this sort of legend. Um, there's an element of it, and I think you in the modern day, if Brazil, if if it, this was eleven players expressing themselves, well, they get knocked out in the group stage because Serbia are a good side. Um, I I thought Serbia did well today. Um, I thought Serbia did well. And then a graphic flashed up near the end of the game and they said 22 shots for Brazil and three shots for Serbia. Yeah, and I, I, was I didn't there, think they did like, well for the record. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd, I'd just been saying to, to the person that I was watching the game with, that, like, oh, Serbia, like, they were kind of in the game. You know, like, Their whole you, plan was cancellation, though, right? I didn't feel like they had right, any other plan a, but cancellation. But it's Serbia against right, yeah, Brazil, it, uh, you know. So I, I don't think they were bad. I think Rafinha obviously had two big chances that he fluffed completely. Um, my my mind just went to seeing Bukayo Saka. There's one in the first half, one in the second half, coming in from that right-hand side. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but see Bukayo Saka just sort of stroke the ball into the far corner both times. Um, and he Neymar was sort straight of subdued, at the keeper. right? Just yeah, of- Neymar wasn't great. And it looks like he went off with what looked like it could be quite a troubling injury. Mm-hmm. Um, Were they but- holding up his shirt? At the halfway line, probably, the yeah, game, yeah. I think they've learned their lesson on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But even when Neymar came off, you know, I think you see flashes, and I think in the modern day, that's what you do. That's sort of the limit of of Jogo Benito, if you like. You need a Casemiro. I was surprised that Chich went with Lucas Paqueta and not Fred from the from the off in midfield, and I thought that was sort of a quite an aggressive way to line up and and say right okay we're going to go for this i'm going to play on the Mm -hmm. front foot more than i would expect from from him and his brazil sides and yeah i i think you just see it in moderation you see neymar with there's the odd touch there's the odd flick uh you know people will talk about the richarlison goal and finish but the the outside of the boot ball in from Vinicius is is lovely as well i thought when when neymar went off and rodrigo replaced him i thought there were a few really really nice touches from him in the final third mm-hmm. um there were there were a couple of moments right on the edge of the box where he sort of very quickly got the ball out of his feet and and shuffled his weight and managed to get a couple of shots away that looked quite dangerous so yeah i think this is this brazil that we probably all think of as the the idealization of football i think there are still flashes of that with brazil but there's a, a more sensible backbone to it than we'd all like to admit and to be fair, maybe what's also changed is the level of the opposition. I mean, even the mediocre teams in a World Cup now are well-drilled, have players that play for big European clubs, understand positional discipline, understand 
you know, the basics of the game, defensive organization, the coaching is better. The whole level of the game has, has elevated. So the days where you could showboat your way past a really bad team in the group phase, you know, that, that may be gone in general and you just have to approach it more professionally to succeed. Phil, the, so let's get, let's get down to it. it it's a tap in for Richarlison to open it. And then the second goal is beautifully struck. Now I will forever die on the hill that it's a bad first touch that forces that finish <laughs> that he pops up his first touch instead of trapping it. Um, but whatever, that's just me being an Arsenal supporter. Having said that, I don't think he or Rafinha were great. Um, if Richard, if you take away the goals and you know, Tim, for example, famously believes that goals are overrated and shouldn't be examined. So let's take them away. I think he and Rafinha were poor. And I think if Chite, and he's not going to, I understand this, but like objectively, if you just looked at that game and say, did I get enough for my forward line? I think you'd have to look at Rafinha, of course, because he didn't score, but Richarlison as well as two players who should be vulnerable. And I, I, I mean, of course, I want to see Gabriel Jesus start. To some extent, I want to see Gabriel Jesus with his feet up, so I am torn. How do you feel about the Rafinha and Richarlison contributions and their position? Because I don't think either was very good, but of course, when you score goals like Richarlison did, no one's going to talk about it. No, I mean, apologies. I can't disagree. Uh, I can't agree with you there. I think, look, Richarlison, ever you since he he's good? made his Brazil. He wasn't good, but, you know, he's got a long history in this side, you know, mm -hmm. since 2018, no one scored more goals for Brazil than him, you know? Fair enough. So fair enough. he was peripheral. And that just makes him Olivier Giroud. He's not any good either. Let's have that discussion. And he's going to be a record scorer for France. <laughs> um, Elliot, you, know, Elliot and, you need to back down quickly. I know, I know. <laughs> and, well, there's know, a reason I, even you I don't agree. Yankee Gunner, come on. Yeah. You know, even, even what you said about the first touch, I don't agree because the ball's behind him and Vinicius fizzes it in. I think he does really well to actually get it close to him. And the finish just trap itself it is just and pass it in. It's showy. It's unnecessarily showy. See, even, you can't even tuck the finish. Into your, get to your English roots and say he's showboating there. He's he's showboating. It's unnecessarily showy from Michelle. Elliot, I'm with you. You can't even, talk even about Jogo Bonito. He's, and then, he's and aiming then complain for the opposite about corner. This. Thank you. He's aiming for the opposite. <laughs> See, Lewis gets it. This this is a, this is a no love for Spurs it's, podcast. But go ahead, I'm sorry. But, you, you know, know what? Hey. We, we've got Scott, who we know is a Judas. Now we found another Judas in our Miss Phil Costa. We need to, we need I'm to not a Spurs fan. Uh, Elliot, I'd go as far as saying we need to take away Richarlison's uh, Brazilian privilege and rename him Richard Arlison. Richard Arlison. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, he didn't like mean, the guy he who flew the plane. That. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Yeah. No, no. At least, sorry, Scott. At least I'm not making, you know. Uh, complicated statistical analyses about uh, Tottenham's prowess for the Premier League. I mean, look, it was just a brilliant piece of individual play and there's no way, there's no way that that was a fluky first touch and the finish was, was brilliant. So, I mean, he was peripheral. He absolutely was peripheral. Um, but there's no way he's in any danger after scoring two goals and, and especially after the second one. So Rafinha, I agree. Yes, he was loose uh, his final ball was really poor, I think, as was his his finishing. Um, but it's like, who do you bring on elsewhere? Because I, Anthony is the main alternative, and I don't. Think he ain't good either. He ain't good either. Yeah, and he screwed <laughs> you know, the market. Could Jesus, could Jesus come on it for Rafinha? Is that a position Jesus could could make his own? Potentially in the in the Copa America that they won in 2019, Gabriel Jesus was their player of the tournament, and he was playing at right wing. So it's an option. It's an option, right? But I just think 
Chite likes the balance of having the left footer, left footed player out there because he can come in and do those little reverse balls or the little dinks into the area. I think he'll keep it the same. They won. Um, I thought Neymar was there for the moments of magic that they needed to open up the game. Same with Vinicius. I thought Casemiro was really good actually um, in midfield because Lucas Paqueta was kind of running around aimlessly and didn't really do much. But um, defensively, they were excellent and they had the moments when they needed them. So look, they look they look strong and they can turn it on when they want to. So this was just a kind of a um, putting a, a flag down uh, when they needed to. Okay. Well, let's move on from this. Uh, other than to say... I don't think anything happened in this game that would stop Brazil from continuing to be a favorite. Um, really, when a push comes to shove, they battered Serbia. I mean, they did. And it was a Serbia team set up to keep themselves from getting battered, and they really just barely hung on. So we'll see. I'm so proud for the Gabbies and and for Martinelli. I, you know, uh, the absolute moment of his life, the realization of a dream, and now he can have his feet up, rest, and be ready to star for Arsenal on our way to a title. So, um, Louis, the... The Uruguay-South Korea game, like, I I tweeted out a cynical tweet basically saying that Brazil owed us some en- entertainment at halftime of the of the Ghana-Portugal game, and there were some angry mentions to me that said, you don't know ball if you don't think the Uruguay-South Korea game was good. I mean, I clearly don't know ball. It doesn't mean that the South Korea-Uruguay game was, like, blowing my hair back, but admittedly given that it's the holiday and I was helping sort of prepare the house and get all that stuff going on. I had one eye on it. So tell me how I missed an instant classic. Uh, you don't have to explain why I don't know ball. That is clear. But but how did I miss an instant classic here? I might be wrong, um, but I think Opta tweeted that this is the first World Cup game since they started recording or maybe the, the second with zero shots on target. And then I saw someone else tweet, oh no, there was one shot on target. I was like, oh right, okay, great, brilliant. So um, so I do know ball. Wait, am I getting uh, my, ball, my ball card back? Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> feel like this you, needs to roll into a Manscaped ad, but go for yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> you had your perfect segue there and it's gone yeah. and um, you blew it <laughs> i uh i watched this game and i will not remember it for very long let's put it mm-hmm. that way um i thought you know your favorite player darwin nunez looked dangerous i, I don't even know if he looked dangerous anymore I, I i this man confuses me so much i don't know if he looks dangerous or if he's just involved um, because he's always involved. He's never quiet. Mm-hmm. There's never this game like like we mentioned with Richarlison where he's just on the peripheral, periphery of things. He's always doing stuff. Um, sometimes he does it really, really clumsily and it still sort of works. Uh, today was one of those days. You know, there was a, there's a chance that flashed across and he, he didn't quite connect with it. There was a decent run down the left. There was a shot from distance that Cavani nearly got his head on and, and directed towards goal. So... Yeah, I thought he was quite good. That's about it. I, other than him, I, I didn't see anyone sort of grab this game and look like they were going to try and win it. Um, Federico <laughs> Valverde hit the post on 89 minutes and then won a tackle on the halfway line that went out for a throw with the score at nil-nil and then celebrated to the crowd. Just like, <laughs> well, well done. It, it's, you've won a tackle. The ball's gone out for a throw in a non-threatening position and it's still nil-nil in the opening group game. Like It, it was a really strange match. I think South Korea... Uh, technically looked really good, but didn't have the maybe the aggression or the physicality 
to break Uruguay down. Um, and Uruguay, uh, I saw Diego Godin uh, interviewed on TV after the game and in the most Diego Godin fashion said, hey, if you can't win a game, you've got to make sure you don't lose a game. And I feel like Uruguay just approach pretty much every match with that mentality. Um, you know, if Cavani doesn't get on the end of something or Suarez doesn't make something happen or and, and I guess now that they're, they're talking about this Uruguayan team being a mixture of generations and it's that generation and it's the the Darwin Nunez, Fede mm. Valverde generation. Um, those are sort of, you know, the four players that can make something happen. But if they don't, you know, Cavani and Suarez were never on the pitch at the same time. So you're looking at two or three players at a time to maybe deliver something incredibly special. Um, Uruguay are focused on not conceding a goal and then hoping that that happens. And today it didn't happen. And it didn't happen for South Korea either because Uruguay was so focused on not conceding a goal. It's tricky. It's, I think the first group game is particularly tricky as well because nobody wants to lose it. And mm. I think you saw that from both of these teams. And I think you you maybe saw a bit of that with the other game we've not mentioned yet uh, in, in Switzerland, Cameroon. Uh, two teams who above all else, really don't want to lose and go into the second match day fighting for their lives. Um, you know, off the back of that, a point's pretty good for both of them. And, you know, I wouldn't... Uruguay were, were Phil's, Phil's shout for a dark horse. Uh, I wouldn't look at them today and say that that sounds wrong or anything because I saw a team today that could draw nil-nil with anybody. And if you can draw nil-nil with anyone, then you can nick a goal against anybody and go a long, long way in the competition. So... A, a draw, a nil-nil, a cagey game, it's not bad for an opening match. And I think they'll both be pretty happy with it, to be honest. I'm going to be pretty happy with the fact that it sounds like I get to keep my ball knowledge. And the other thing I have good knowledge of is how to take care of yourself and stay mentally healthy. And that is because this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's right. It's time to talk about therapy, online therapy, in fact. And this time of year, the holidays, the holidays are a time when people do find things to be a struggle. It can be a really joyous time, but of course... Um, there can be issues of loss and missing out, of trying to fit in, trying to find your place. Um, it, it is a time of year that definitely can be the best, but also the hardest. And there is no question in my mind that one of the things we need to do as a society is start thinking of mental health as regular health, as just part of being a healthy person, and therapy as just part of staying a healthy person. And better help is the way you do that. Is the world's largest therapy service. BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed embedded therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. How about that? Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. Couldn't be easier. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash vision. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash vision. Betterhelp.com slash vision. Do it now, Phil. Is that enough of that? Indeed. Yeah, to be fair, you know who did need some better help? Mm. Uh, Luis Suarez, ideally from an oxygen tank. I mean, mm. he was slower than me after my Christmas dinner. Um, he had 18 touches in, in 65 <laughs> Thanks, Thanksgiving, minutes. Thanksgiving dinner, Phil. Thanks, yeah, yeah, Thanksgiving dinner. Sorry, throw, sorry. Throw Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Seven passes in 65 minutes, and one of those was from kickoff. I mean... Mm. Howie, you're not doing my dark, dark horses shout any favors there, mate. Um, shocking. Would you, and what would you change? 
other than I mean, the channel. They're not. They're not. They're not <laughs> I mean, they're not, they're not going to change it, are they? Maybe his knees, if possible. Um, but yeah, I agree with Lewis. Darwin was their number one threat, um, and they'll just be hoping for some some dodgy one nils along the way. But I'm backing them. I'm backing my boys. And Cavani off the bench, like if if Suarez sort of saunters around for seventy minutes just to keep Cavani fresh, it's not the worst plan. At least he can run. Yeah. At least Cavani like, can run a bit. But he's he's old too now. Like if he can run for t- probably only for like twenty five minutes, it's not the worst idea to give him those twenty five minutes against tired defenders. I guess. All right, let's get through the Switzerland game so we can talk England USA uh, before we get out of here. So. Shaka wins. Phil, anything other than Shaka wins, other than Mbolo, with the first ever, I think, no celebration, celebration scoring for your country because he scored against the country of his birth, is what I think what I moment. understand. Yeah, so we, what a moment. You, you history. Score, score for the country, against the country of your birth and give us the no celebration, celebration. Has football peaked? Is that it? I mean, we've, we've transcended, we've mm-hmm. transcended into another sport. This is just a new level of hashtag respect. Um, this is, nah, come on. This is, this is the ultimate level. Like it's, this is, <laughs> this is much, much more legitimate than the usual no celebration. Like, I, like I feel that this is much more complicated than not celebrating against, I don't know, but Coventry. Did you, you see, played for did you see them? They were throwing stones at his dad's house in, in Yaoundé. I mean, if that's not good, mate, it's a World Cup. Fair enough. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know that we want to. I don't know that we want to uh, <laughs> justify that sort of thing. Stand behind, support that sort of behavior. But you know, you you do you, Lewis. Um, how how was Shaq in this game for you? I mean, is 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 he? All right, let me put it to you this way. I'll give you multiple choice. Shaka, great footballer or the greatest footballer? I mean. The greatest of all time, maybe. I mean, it was so funny. He's just getting more and more advanced as the week goes on. I mean, like he was playing alongside Mbolo today at times and it was just hilarious because you could tell that Switzerland are not used to him playing this kind of role. And the amount of times I saw him free in the box and nobody was giving him the ball and it was like... Where's Martin Odegaard? Where's Thomas mm. Partey? Oh wait, mm. they're they're not there. Um, so they need. Why a bit of weren't time they? To get Is there a reason it. Switzerland doesn't use them? Because I feel like Shaq would be more effective with Odegaard and, uh, and I th- maybe Partey. just resting them. I think their okay, manager's a bit enough. different to Arteta. Um, rotation, okay. Yeah, rotation, rotation. But yeah, I mean, Switzerland did enough on the day. Cameroon have a couple of decent players: Angisa in midfield, Toko Akambi. Um, Onana in goal, obviously, but Switzerland kind of they're just really professional. Solid, professional, full of experience. They got their goal, could see it out, and Cameroon didn't really do anything else in the game. So it was that was all they needed to do, and they're off to a good start. Switzerland, you know, you can never discount them because they're just so solid and they've been there and done it. So um, I love, I love that they play Brazil next because it makes that game really interesting, as opposed to potentially them beating Serbia and Brazil beating um, the the other team. The, the team, you know, Cameroon. Yes, thank you. Um, and and then the Brazil Switzerland game being a little less heated. Th- this makes this makes this game really interesting, I think, because you can't take anything for granted going into your final game. So it will be an interesting one. Let's let's do this, Lewis. I'll give you one quick bit on on that game because I want to wrap with a look ahead to USA England, which I know uh, is going to be a hotly contested loss. I mean, a, a game. For the United States over here, and 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 I'm sure everyone in England uh, greatly anticipating it as well. 
Is that a question? No, no, no. I said, give me, give me a final word on the, uh, sorry. You, we don't, you don't come on the pod as frequently as Phil. So you're not familiar with the question style of, <laughs> no, no, I say lots of words and then you talk and then I go back to saying lots of words. Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. I just wanted to make you feel uncomfortable. Um, I, I don't have, I don't have much more <laughs> to, to add on, <laughs> on Switzerland, Cameroon. I thought you know, the first half, uh, Mbuemo and, and Chupamoting look quite dangerous for Cameroon, but honestly, this was, this was a game that looked like it was, I mean, a bit like Uruguay, South Korea. It was only going to ever end 1-0 to somebody. Mm. Um, it, and it probably ended 1-0 in the end to, to the better team and, and the team, as Phil said, who have been there and done it and internationally at these tournaments have that experience of going a couple of rounds. And I, I wouldn't be surprised anybody. I don't think if, you know, I, I can see Serbia, Switzerland going either way, but it wouldn't surprise anyone if Switzerland, you know, got to the knockout rounds and then made a good fist of it there as well. Yeah. All right, let's leave that one in the rear view and look ahead tomorrow to England, United States. England come in three points after dominating their opening match. The USA come away with just one point after a brilliant first half and then a really disappointing second half. And oh boy, Lewis, like, I, I got to tell you, I don't have a lot of faith in Greg Berhalter. And I I just am wondering if he's sitting at home right now, well, or, you know, in his hotel room, workshopping is why Jordan Morris is the better pick when you want to get a goal at the end than Gio Reyna for unlocking a defense. And, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, there's a lot of talent in this U.S. side. I think maybe some of it's overrated just because we want to believe in our in our national team players. But I don't I don't have confidence in the coach to pick the right players. And ultimately, England are more talented anyway, even if Bearhalter gets it exactly right. It sounds like England are going to be unchanged. Who could argue with that? I, I tend to, to be prepared to believe in England underperforming at a tournament, right, and disappointing their fans. But I just don't right now. I think there's something about this group. This is an immensely talented England. The second 11 could go far in this tournament. I just think there's too much talent. And I think the United States, unfortunately, they missed their opportunity because I think this is a U.S. team that uncharacteristically is probably prepared to control the ball a bit and attack effectively, but not defend as as uh, solidly as maybe once upon a time. And this is not a game where we're going to be able to have the control. The United States is going to be under pressure, and I think the defense is going to get rocked, frankly. I, I don't see it being a close game. What's your take on it? Yeah, I think it would have been close a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. the, I mean, this US side playing against England from a year ago. Um, yeah. The, the, the England that turned up at the Euros. And the difference over the past year is that Jude Bellingham has nailed a spot in the starting 11. Um, yeah, England's midfield isn't a question mark anymore the way it might have been a year yeah, ago. Yeah, like I, th- I think the the, the obvious flaw, and, and it's sort of accentuated Gareth Southgate's sort of conservatism, if you like, as a as a coach. The obvious flaw or gap in the England team 18 months ago at the Euros was that they would kind of sit back and the Rice and Phillips was a solid defensive midfield pairing, but not a pairing that would grab the game and completely mm-hmm. dominate it. Uh, that's exactly what Jude Bellingham is. This enormous rangy midfielder he demands the ball he'll pop up on the left on the right he he'll he'll drive the ball forward but he'll also get the ball and pick his head up and look for a a pass that takes three or four players out of the game that's the difference that's the difference between England 18 months ago and England now I think I, I don't think England 
for the most part, are, are better than they are. I don't think Bakaya Saka aside, I don't think any of these players are as good as they were eighteen months ago, and not in not in the run of form they were in. You know, like mm. Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, John Stones, Declan Rice as well. The way West Ham had played the last couple of years compared to the start of this season, Harry Kane. I think Raheem Sterling, Bukayo Saka and, and Jude Bellingham are pretty much the only England players who are better now than they were a year ago. But they come in the areas where England were most flawed. Yeah, I agree. So, And you can still call yeah. on Foden and you can still call on Grealish and you can still, yeah. I mean, you know. You and and the players, you know, Harry Maguire aside, the players I just mentioned aren't completely useless. Like no. they're, they're just not quite in the run of form they were in maybe 12 or 18 months ago, I think. So, you know, to add Bellingham um, in the middle of the pitch where I think England's, like I say, maybe the biggest efficiency was, and to add Saka in the form that Saka's in now compared to Saka of 18 months ago, it it, it makes this a, a really good side. Like, on the other hand, and like for hope for the US, I have no idea how good Iran are. I, like, you, Iran might be... Director. By far the worst team at this World and Cup. And not just like, worse, but know. like with with some due respect to them, confronting an issue and in their home country politically yeah. and emotionally that will also make it hard for them to maybe be focused. They've talked a lot about that situation and it, it's one that I imagine has to be weighing heavily on them. So yeah. it, it and, can be both of those things, yeah. And and then even beyond that, just tactically, I think America will, no matter what, I think they'll be a lot more aggressive than Iran were. I think Iran from the off, it was let's keep a clean sheet and maybe we get a free kick or a corner and we can nick a goal somehow. Um, but but they, they did they that without two. really... Yeah, but <laughs> they, know, so but they also they approached the game like that, but without being physical enough for me, without being aggressive enough. Uh, I was a bit surprised the other day when Brendan Aronson didn't start for, a, for the Shocking. US against Wales. But he's our, think, he's our best know, player right now. I think if you just yeah. go on form around the world, is anyone better than? I mean, I guess you know Weston McKinney, um, you know, but but it's it's Aronson, it's um, it's I'm trying to think of who else. Maybe you would. I mean, possibly Tyler Tyler Adams. Adams I yeah, but but yeah. I think those three, those three for me, they have to start against England because I don't think Aronson's. I, go, I don't think he's going to change it. Lewis. I just think when you play a team that is more capable than you technically you have to get in their faces and make life uncomfortable and i think adams mckenney and and aronson are all perfectly suited for that like that would for me that would be my midfield yeah. uh, and and i would try and get in england's faces and not give them any time to settle on the ball and try and turn this into a bit of a scrap um i, I don't know if america i don't know if the us are going to do that or if they're capable of that but i think you know if they do that they can with the physicality of those players the energy the the athleticism of those players and the willingness of those players they can make life difficult for anybody yeah i don't, I don't feel so here's the thing if the united states try to play some football this could be a really interesting fun game because i thought the us midfield looked really good against wales which made a nice change and tyler adams was great there's there's talent in the midfield there's the ability to keep the ball and i agree with lewis normally i would have said you know what i don't think the england midfield is any great shakes right when it was when it was phillips for example who i don't think is particularly strong in possession but Bellingham's just a totally different kind of player and a transformative kind of player for england playing through the midfield but yeah the us has a midfield that's that can can control a game given the opportunity. And Pulisic, I don't think he's anywhere near his best, but he can still cause problems. Um, you know, I'd like to see Gio Reyna in there because I think what he can do 1v1 dribbling the ball past people, I, I think is a unique skill that can unlock a defense and you have to do that. 
I always think Maguire is 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 a, a vulnerable liability that you want to target, and so you want to run at him. Um, there's something there. There's something to be had there. I think Aronson could be a pest. I mean, even if you wanted to play him in a wide position, I think he could be a pest. I just don't, maybe it's just a lack of trust in the coach to set them out to do that. And so I'm curious because if the United States tries to have some of the ball and have some of this game and really push England back at times and take the opportunity to try to contest the midfield and try to put Maguire under some pressure and, and see what they can do, then I think it gets interesting. Um, maybe I'm just one of these people that for whatever reason has decided I don't rate Burhalter, doesn't trust the team to play on the front foot with the right personnel. Do you think that if the U.S. really does try to play their part in this game and not be a spoiler, right, that that, that may set up for a really intriguing and fun game between two teams that maybe have some vulnerability at the back, but a lot of talent going the other way and a lot of ability to, to move the ball through midfield and create chances? Yeah, I think I think they need to find a balance, most importantly, because you can't go full gig and press and you can't go full defensive mode because eventually you just invite chances. But we've seen already that some of the smaller nations already this tournament, I mean, Saudi Arabia, obviously the most high profile one, but Tunisia, we're trying to press, you know, and I, I believe they can do it. They've got energy and youth You're in You're going to get pulled up on referring to the US as a smaller nation, but I'll let it slide. No, but I mean, like, you know, <laughs> in terms of ability. Context, yes. I, <laughs> I mean, technically they are. I mean, you know. Um, 350 million just, and can't rub together 11 good footballers. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, but I didn't say it. I didn't say it. You, you inferred. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we the first half against Wales was, was a bit of a, plu- a, a blueprint. You know, um, yeah. it was just when they took the gas off. And we didn't stick with it. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, there was a there was a blueprint there to follow. You've got energy in midfield when you need it. You've got a little bit of, of class up front. I mean, the issue with Pulisic, Reyna, Aronson is that they're kind of floaty players. They're not really stick on in one position. They kind of go where they want. And I feel like at least with those midfielders that you had against Wales, Musa, Adams, McKenney, they're a lot more familiar with their roles. Um Look, you're not going in as favourites, but I definitely think you can cause England some problems. However, defensively, I just don't think I trust the US enough in terms of quality. I mean, the back two, I mean, useless. Dreadful. Useless. Mm -hmm. Absolutely dreadful. You know, and... You you can't tackle like... like, I mean, anyway, yeah. It's not... not I I don't understand why Cameron Carter-Vickers doesn't play. Personally. I I don't understand why Berhalter does anything. I I really don't. And I mean... (laughs) Like, and, and I know it gets tedious just hearing everything getting blamed on the manager. Happy Thanksgiving. Like, play another song, right? Like, there's, there's other things to talk about. But, like, Aronson, for me right now, is the form American player in the world, potentially, or he's certainly right up there. Like, how? What he, about him as a false nine? That's what well, I was going to say, wide or as a false nine. Yeah, yeah I, I'd be fine with it. Like, well, well so, so here's the question. Do you think the possibility that the United States did not hold on for three points means that they may have to commit this game a little more aggressively? Or do you think it's the opposite? I don't know psychologically how that works because there, there's more of a need, I think, or a, a reward for going and winning. You don't know what's going to happen in that last game because if 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 the if England beats the United States and Wales beats Iran, you have that very tricky, how hard is anybody going to be going for that last game situation, right? The handshake draw puts both teams through. So you never want to be in that situation. Do you think that the the draw in the first game means the U.S. will tend towards greater conservatism or greater aggressiveness? 
The, the problem I'd like is... to think that they go for it, oh. you know. Um, I'd like to think that they go for it. Sorry, Lewis. The greater just, aggressiveness was from Phil there. <laughs> I was on the press. I was on. I was on quickly there. Um, I, you know, I hate the idea of going to to sit back, and the US can't do that. Um, you know, and I think Bearholter knows that, and it's about balance. But they have the players, I think, to 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 not do that. You know, it would be a shame for them just to sit back, um, and it's not in the American spirit, you know. We mm. like to win. No yeah, draws, no I'm, draws. I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> the <laughs> aggressiveness of the American spirit. Uh, all right, Lewis, prediction for you? Uh, to New England. You don't think the U.S. can score on that suspect I think they can, back line? I think they can. You, get, you I, conceded two I goals to Iran. Try to make a game of it. I, like, I, I don't think they'll get in the England box. Um Yikes! Yeah, like <laughs> Medi, like you know, Medi Taremi, I would back him to to finish something over Josh Sargent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't think America, I don't think the US would manage to get close enough to. I mean, I'd, I'd quite like to be wrong. I'd like to be wrong and and see a really interesting game. I think the, there's enough talent uh, to, to to have a really competitive game between the two teams and make it really really interesting before England have to play Wales in the on the final uh, match day. But I don't think there's enough quality across the pitch, and I think I, I suspect. Unfortunately, I would like them to go the other way about it and try and, as I say, get in England's faces and push up and. I suspect that the US might sit back and, and try and cling on to their clean sheet for as long as they can. And as soon as that resolve is broken, then kind of the game plan goes out the window. I think the US will score. And I think the US may score a few goals. The problem is I think that defense is just going to get exposed badly by really superb, not just attackers, but secondary attackers for England, right? Running from the midfield. And I think 1v1, they have no one that can live with Saka. Um, I think if, you know, Foden plays 30 minutes in the second half, there's no one that can live with him or Grealish, Sterling and, and Kane, I, I do think are past their best, but they're still way better than anything this U.S. defense is prepared to handle. I think defensively, we're going to see problems. And I think as the U.S. push on to try to get goals, maybe to get back in the game, that could make life worse. So I could see a 5-2 kind of game, a, a situation where the U.S. sits back early, concedes, starts chasing, trying to get back in it. The space opens up. And once the space opens up, it, it's going to be a problem. And that's that's really the the sort of Damocles hanging over the U.S., which is you need to go for this game a little bit. But if you do and there's any kind of space, I just don't trust the defenders to be able to defend in space. So we'll see. Phil, what's your what's your prediction? 3-1 England. Mm-hmm. Nice and safe prediction there as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think what will be interesting is when this game is replayed in the final. Uh, to see if the U.S. has learned anything when we match match up against England in the final. We'll leave it there. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Oh, tomorrow, uh, midfield scouting pod with Clive. So we're going to be doing scouting. I think Danilo's on the agenda. Two others that Clive has named. Um, so we'll have scouting for you over on the Patreon side. We'll have a World Cup daily at the end of uh, the U.S.-England game, which is the last game of the day, obviously. And that will be with uh, Lewis and myself. Phil is going on a date. Date night. It's important, a date with guys. destiny. Oh, I a thought you were just going destiny. on a date. You're going on it with your partner? I am. 
Yes, oh. that's the plan. So why, would he, why would he go on a date with somebody else? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I, we don't judge. This is we don't kink shame on this pot. Like you can do what you want to do. Your life. I mean, I do. I, I do live in Berlin, but yeah. you know, I'm a I'm a monogamous kind of man. Well, I just now. want I just want you to know that it was ambiguous when you sent it to me, and whether you're going on a date with your partner or a and other, I hope whoever you go with has a lovely time, and I'm sure they will in your company. Phil's on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. Thank you, Phil. Thank you very much. Lewis is on Twitter at LG Ambrose. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you. My name is Alex Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. We love you. Well, we won't be talking to you after my country 10, other country no, but we will talk to you after your country 10, other country no. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.